Welcome to another episode of Love and War, the podcast in which the irresistible force overcomes the immovable object. I'm your host, Lee Ballinger. I'm an author, poet, and producer based in Los Angeles. If you want to know more, check out my bio on Facebook, L-E-E-B-A-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. You can hit me up at rockrap at AOL.com, R-O-C-K-R-A-P, or on Facebook. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Mary Faith Sarasoli is a college professor with a job. Yet, she sleeps in her car, showers at college athletic centers, and is on food stamps. The problem is that she's an adjunct, meaning she's on a short-term contract with no possibility of ever getting a permanent position. 76% of all college teachers are adjuncts today, and according to a study by the U.S. House of Representatives, the majority of them live below the poverty line. Part of a growing movement of adjuncts, last spring, Sarah Soli walked the steps of the New York Department of Education, wearing a vest with the words, Homeless Prof, emblazoned on it. Being an adjunct sucks, obviously, but there are jobs now which are far worse. Not cleaning toilets or flipping burgers, but driving big rig trucks. Kings of the road? Not exactly. Port truckers in Los Angeles have to lease trucks from the companies they work for. Kind of a rent-to-own deal. If they can't work because they're sick or their truck breaks down or they're just too exhausted from 20-hour days, the company seizes their truck, keeps all the money paid on it, which can be as much as $80,000, and leases it to someone else for the next go-round. Weekly take-home checks as low as 67 cents have been documented, and, in fact, it's common for companies to tell their drivers that they owe the company money. Who are these trucking companies contracted by? Ah, corporate good citizens such as Target, Home Depot, Hasbro, J. Crew, Costco, and more. In his short life, Bassist Jaco Pastorius forged an international reputation as a composer, teacher, and shit-hot player. He helped to establish Weather Report as the world's most popular jazz fusion band and later toured with Herbie Hancock and Joni Mitchell. Twenty years ago this month, he ended up dead at age 35, the victim of a beating at the hands of a club manager in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Pastorius was homeless. By all accounts, an extremely difficult person to work with, Pastorius was subject to wild mood swings and erratic behavior as early as high school when he sought to escape his status as class nerd by throwing himself into marathon practice sessions. After leaving Weather Report for a solo career, Pastorius would often confound audiences and band members alike by playing the wrong music or by walking off stage in mid-set. Although he was militantly anti-drug early in his career, he eventually became a heavy user of cocaine and booze. But Jaco Pastorius didn't just fall. He was pushed. Demons aside, he lived in a society that regards creative artists as freaks 
for whom early death from self-abuse is regarded as glamorous, if not downright inevitable. If our schools and our government taught respect for those who make millions happy with their art, maybe Jaco Pastorius would still be alive today. According to musicians who played with him, he was so disturbed by the lack of recognition he received in the United States that it contributed to his mental problems. But however blame is parceled out, the fact remains that a three-time Grammy nominee wound up living in a city park and, halfway through life, was beaten to death in a Florida parking lot. We can do better than that. I just finished reading a really good book by Zoltan Grossman called Unlikely Alliances, Native Nations and White Communities Unite to Defend Rural Lands. Most of us who aren't directly involved don't realize how widespread these alliances have become. Grossman tells the story of several of them. One of the interesting things is that these alliances don't come about because of white guilt or some type of reparations for all the harm done to Native Americans. They come about because of common problems, especially with rights to land and the poisoning of the environment. The Indians explain to the whites that now corporations are doing to them what the government and military did to Native Americans. The whites who have done the most to help build unity were the same people who were leading protests against Indian treaty rights a few years earlier. As their ability to live healthy, productive lives came into question, they opened their hearts and their minds to their natural allies. One of my favorite anecdotes in the book was a description of the massive annual Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota in the summer of 2015, where riders made a statement against Black Hills Mining by using 600 of their bikes to spell out, Honor Vets, Protect Water. It was no coincidence that last fall, thousands of veterans came to the aid of Native American water protectors at Standing Rock. Get your eyes off the ground Get your head in the sky Things are gonna get a whole lot better And I'm telling you why Because we're getting together We're getting together Coming together Paperback I have a new book out called Love and War, My First 30 Years of Writing. You can download a copy absolutely free at loveandwarbook.com. That's loveandwarbook.com. Let me know what you think of it. In late July, Metallica played a show for 70,000 people at the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles. We don't care about the color of the, your skin, who you voted for, or what God you bow down to. Singer James Hetfield told the crowd, We're here to celebrate life with live music. While some pundits still like to dismiss heavy metal as the music of only white teenage boys, Daniel Kahn of the Orange County Weekly reported that the stadium was full of men and women of all colors. Two weeks later, at a concert at the Greek Theater in L.A., Sam Hunt 
who has the biggest country hit of the year so far with Body Like a Back Road, stopped halfway through the show to sit on a stool and talk to the audience. No generation has ever been as culturally integrated as this one, he said. When you all take over, you're going to tear down the walls that divide us. Perhaps to prove his point, Hunt played bits of his favorite songs, ranging from Alan Jackson's Don't Rock the Jukebox to Usher's Nice and Slow. At one point between Hunt's own songs, the PA blasted Kendrick Lamar's Humble and, according to Michael Wood of the L.A. Times, the crowd reacted enthusiastically. Like the man said, when you all take over, you're going to tear down the walls that divide us. Remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances. Vanessa nigga with some counterfeits, but now I'm counting this. Parmesan with my accountant lives. In fact, I'm down in this. You say with my boo tastes like Kool Aid for the analyst. Girl, I can buy a Westie world with my base stuff. There is a massive surveillance state at work in the United Kingdom. One camera for every 11 people, all trained on the public as they go about their business. But don't fret. Those of you who might worry that American police are falling behind. The Los Angeles Police Department has two so-called Stingray devices that mimic cell phone towers to collect cell phone data. Not cell phone data from known criminals or as a result of warrants that have been issued. Cell phone data from everyone. Stingray devices cost the taxpayers $500,000 each. So we are paying someone to spy on us and they can also capture data from laptops and tablets. Use of stingrays is spreading across the country. The LAPD and the L.A. County sheriffs also capture about 3 million license plate images a week. The cops claim that they will only use the information to track criminals. Say what? I well remember the time many years ago when the police, saying I matched a description arrested me as a so-called barefoot bandit who had committed dozens of felonies. I knew I hadn't done anything illegal, but if I hadn't been able to get a good attorney, I'd probably still be in prison. Meanwhile, traditional police work continues. Last month, Los Angeles County supervisors approved a $1.5 million payout to the family of a 21-year-old man, unarmed, who was fatally shot by a sheriff's deputy while in his vehicle in 2015. Since 2004, over 2,000 people in Southern California have been shot by the police. Only one policeman was indicted. He was acquitted. Let's finish up with a quote of the week, this time from Willie Nelson. 
who said, 99% of the world's lovers are not with their first choice. That's what makes the jukebox play. That's it for now. If you see me on the street, smile back. Well, together we stand, divided we fall. Come on now, people, let's all get on the ball and work together. Come on, come on, let's work together. We're here now, people, because together we will stand, every boy, every woman. 